everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Ice Sport Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Fam, the first round wrapped up, and my God, all four wildcard teams move on. Both one seeds, the defending cup champs, the defending Western Conference champs, the central champs, and of course, Sidney Crosby, all go down in round one. Let's get the introductions to find out how everyone feels about this. Uh, let's start it off with the fly-by-yourself Kelly Hinkle. Since the Leafs have betrayed me, I am now the internet's number one Carolina Hurricanes fan. I'm digging Carolina. I They're am digging so Carolina in the East. They're a lot of fun, and I love Dr. T with my life. So I love Dr. T as well, teams. but I am very anti-Carolina. I know. What's I don't know what's up with you and your vitriol for Carolina. It's wild. I thought nerds were supposed to like the Hurricanes. Nerds are supposed to like them. And also, like, I don't know how you could watch videos of that team interacting with each other and not like them. It's a very likable group. I think Charlie, now that everyone's on the Carolina bandwagon, Charlie thinks they're not nerdy enough. Is that it, Chuck? Hipster Charles. (laughs) (laughs) You were a Carolina fan before they got their record deal. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) Oh, you like the Hurricanes? Name three albums. <laughs> Their from, first three albums. From the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, at this point, I mean I'm not I'm not big on the Hurricanes, but at this point I'm basically just viewing the rest of this playoffs that if anybody other than Boston wins, I'll be okay. Well, I have some sad news for you, Charlie. That's not how sports work. Boston <laughs> just wins championships. It's just what happens. I don't know why. I don't know how we got stuck in this timeline. It's the worst. But here we are. That little kid is going to be st- sitting there with that goddamn picket sign again about how he's been to 42 parades and he's 18 years old. <laughs> oh, I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate, I hate that. him so I much. I hate that picture. That picture is infuriating. I always think, you know what? You didn't get drunk at one of them, you little bastard. <laughs> do you know that? I do. He doesn't look like he's having any fun because he's carrying around a fucking picket sign all the time. Fair. <laughs> Last, but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I'm looking at my bracket, and I had <laughs> Vegas and Toronto in the final. Fucking nailed and, uh, it. That didn't quite work out. But oh. I had Carolina and St. Louis in the conference final, so I'm That's kind something. of, you know, I have I got one matchup right for the second round and that was carolina and the islanders because i will never pick the penguins to win even if they're the strongest team i just won't do it so i got the islanders right and carolina i don't know why i picked them over washington but i did um and now i've decided it's time for Braden shen to get a cup yes steph i just want to ask you like did you do analysis for this bracket or did you just pick the four teams in each side that you like the most no, I did some analysis. Okay, because I'm just because yeah, like I, just don't, I don't remember the thought process behind it other than Pittsburgh. Okay, because like Toronto, you love Vegas, you love the Blues have Braden <laughs> Shen and Carolina, apparently you love. So I'm just curious if like this was like some people do like the bracket they hope happens and the bracket they think is going to happen. I was just curious if this was like the former for you. Yeah, no, I I had um I don't love Carolina. I appreciate the jerk store Carolina, but um. They're fine. I had I had that series going to six games. I had Boston Toronto going to seven, and and you know I think that everyone thought that was a toss up. Um, obviously, I had Tampa winning. I had 
uh, Calgary beating Colorado, which just made sense. I didn't think that Colorado was that strong of a team. Uh, Vegas and hmm. San Jose I had going to seven games because I thought that was a toss-up. Um, I picked Nashville over Dallas because, again, I didn't think that Dallas was a strong team. Yeah. Um, and I picked St. Louis over Winnipeg because Winnipeg had been in the shitter and St. Louis was coming into the series on a roll. So it, it just made more sense that they were more playoff ready. Let's start with what uh, Steph was talking about there in terms of just like everyone's bracket is thrown away now because unless you're a diehard of one of these teams remaining, like I'm sorry, nobody had all four wildcard teams moving on and all four division champs lo losing the like the, this is nonsense. This is absolutely insane. Six of the nine 100-plus point teams uh, went down in round one. Only three of eight teams with home ice advantage actually advanced. So I just got to ask to start this thing, and we'll get to each individual round one and put a bow on that in a minute. But just as overall, do you think this round one is good or bad for the NHL? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, it's good because... First of all, it's kind of getting a bunch of fan bases who might not have been as engaged as, say, a Penguins fan base or a Tampa fan base. It kind of gets them a little bit more pumped for their team, which I think is fun. Um, this second round, probably not going to be great for the ratings as far as the NHL goes. But I, at first, I kind of was pissed that it was going this way, but I've, I've come around to now it's fun. It's not going to be great for ratings. There are no, I mean, Boston is the only really strong market team left. Yeah, I, so I, I kind of have a weird way of looking at this in that, like, well, I, well, I agree that the, um, I agree the ratings aren't going to be that good. And, and that's obviously. The ratings are going to be bad no matter what. No, but. It's but, the NHL. No, they, they're. They're going to be worse than they would have been otherwise. So I agree. They with were really good in this first points. round, though. Yeah, because the first round was awesome, and all the big market teams were still in. However, see, you're you're not even letting me finish, Bill. However, I do think this is going to be good for the league over the long term. I don't think it's good for the short term. I think they're gonna they're not going to make as much money as they would have made if Washington and you know Toronto were still around or Pittsburgh. But I think this is good for the league because it it's going to force people. Even, like, I know we say they're only diehard hockey fans, but they're casual hockey fans, too. And this is going to get more players in the spotlight that normally would not be in the spotlight. We've screamed for years about, you know, why aren't they, uh, you know, why don't they put McDavid on television? All they care about is ratings. Well, yeah, there might not be a McDavid in this round. But there are some damn good players. Like, it would be really neat if Vladimir Tarasenko becomes a household name because he carries the Blues to a title. It would be pretty cool if, like, Sebastian Ajo is thought of as, like, the next big superstar because the Hurricanes go all the way to the final. It would be neat if, like, you know, Joe Thornton gets a great storyline because the, the Sharks go all the way. Like, these are guys who I actually do think the, the, the league will benefit from from getting their names out there a little bit more. At the same time, and this is kind of my my other end, I personally don't like it, but I think it's good. Like, I think there's a lot of people who who look at it as like what I like or dislike is bad for is good or bad for the league. Like, I think this is good for the league over the long term. I personally am not a fan of it because I like to see great teams get rewarded for being great, and I've the, a lot of the rest of these rounds are going to be teams that aren't that great just kind of got lucky. 
and that annoys me. I, I, I guess it's just my personal thing that I like there to be justice in the world, and this first round felt very unjust to me. But in terms of the league, I think this is good for the league. I think it's great for the league that there are going to be new names and then there will be new storylines for next year they can promote because of a series they didn't expect. So good for the league. I don't particularly like it, but it's good for the league. I think the part of it that's going to be good for the league is I think it'll make the end of seasons more competitive. I think this will show teams, yes, you can win as a bubble. I know for a little while I was like, oh, well, the Flyers got there as a 7 and the Kings won as an 8. Every Anything can happen. But for the last few years, like, you know, we saw, we went on a stretch very recently of the Kings, Hawks, and Pens winning eight of nine cups. Like, it was just that. And I love seeing greatness. You know that I enjoy Tom Brady. I like when it's LeBron versus Golden State four years in a row. I think that stuff's cool. But I think what we're seeing now is that parity in the NHL, maybe it's not the best thing in terms of one dominant team. We don't have that. But, man, a lot of teams have a lot of really good players. Like, it is spread around a a wealth of talent. I think the top third of the NHL, like, is as good as it's ever been as a whole. And I think we've seriously overestimated the gap between elite player and elite team and that next tier down of, like, that first line of uh, in, in Colorado. Is there a Sidney Crosby there? Maybe not. But those three guys combined, yeah, I'll take them over pretty much anybody. Like, I, I think that gap has been a little bit overestimated. And I think, like, if teams on the bubble just look at Columbus and go, well, shit, they ran into, like, an historically great team and beat them, so why shouldn't we go for it? And I think that's good uh, for the league overall. Obviously, when it's straight-up March Madness and you have all these upsets, yeah, you are going to have a dip in ratings in the second and third round, but uh, it, it's the NHL. How much, how high were those ratings going to be anyway? Oh, I had one more fun stat here before we move on. Four teams won their round one matchup leading for less than 30% of total gameplay. Dallas, St. Louis, Carolina, and San Jose all led for less than 30% of games. So there were a lot of fun comebacks and stuff, too, that I thought made that first round a lot of fun. Let's start with that Tampa-Columbus series. Um, we were in our last Ice Sport Radio game set, or game four, excuse me, was happening while we were recording. So we didn't actually talk about the Bolts going down. What the hell happened here? They just collapsed. Their stars disappeared. The Blue Jackets seemed to find a strategy that really stifled what was an extremely electric offense. And here we are. Weird <laughs> I mean, their stars literally disappeared. So yeah. Kucherov was suspended. Well, that, uh, yeah. Hedman, Strawman were hurt. Stamkos just um, and Stamkos apparently just doesn't, doesn't do know playoffs. how to play in the playoffs. Yeah, which is crazy considering how good he is. And no one talks about it because he's a good Canadian boy. Weird stuff happens in seven-game series or four-game series, which this one was. I, I mean, it. yeah, like Kucherov being – I think the Hedman injury probably had more of an impact than people realize because he, yeah, just, that's... He, he just eats up so many minutes. But you would have expected that somebody like Ryan McDonough would have stepped up in his place and – he clearly did not do that enough for them to even win a single game. Um, and, yeah, Samkos didn't do much. Kucherov was suspended. It just struck me as just, like, a perfect storm of everything that could have possibly went wrong for Tampa went wrong. Like, we forget that what they were up, like, 
three nothing after the first period of the of game one. Like this was supposed to be like, and it, the first 20, 20, 30 minutes of the game of the first game of the series looked like it was going to be the the total dumpster fire of a like dominance on the part of Tampa that we all expected, and then it ended up being the opposite, which is hilarious. But yeah, I guess to me, I just look at this like I, it doesn't. I think Columbus was, a, as we talked about, was a better team than people gave them credit for, but they still should not have won the series. Tampa just didn't play well, and a lot of things went wrong that you couldn't really have foreseen. You know, the first game I'll give you is Tampa Bay collapsing, and I see the injuries, I see the suspension, all that. But Columbus straight up outplayed Tampa for three of the, those four games. Like, they were the better team on the ice in those games. Fluky stuff happens. I know Tampa Bay is an incredible collection of talent, but I don't think we're giving Columbus or our old friend John Tortorella enough credit here. I think he developed uh, just, I think he developed a strategy to take away their best players and take advantage of their tendency to want to play all-star style hockey. As much as I don't like it, I don't want to deter teams from collecting the best possible group of talent, but I do think you just have to play a little bit of a different way in the playoffs. And even John Cooper said we were trying to win game six nothing rather than three to one. Oh, I didn't hear that quote. That's interesting. I mean, may- maybe like I- I'm sure it had an impact. I just like I just go I go through the the stats for the series. So the stats for the series, Tampa Bay had, and this is looking at at all situations. So we're not just looking at five on five. They had 53.37% of the Corsi. They had uh, 53.37% of the scoring chances. They had 55.22% of the high danger scoring chances. They were down a little bit in expected goals, but they had 29.63% of the goals. So they lose in four games. Like, weird things happen in four games. Tampa did not get crushed. They, you know, they probably, they certainly didn't deserve to sweep to sweep the Blue Jackets. They maybe didn't deserve to beat the Blue Jackets, but this series probably should have went six or seven. It's just Columbus got the breaks, and sometimes that happens in small series. Let's move on to the Leafs and Boston. Uh, Boston, one of the few teams with home ice advantage to actually move on. Uh, they win in seven. Just what go- what's... These two teams, man, Boston just has their number. It comes down to seven games, and then in game seven, it's over. Um, We talk a lot about Boston only having one line, but the fourth line had five points in game seven, and uh, Johansson had the game winner. Mike Babcock, like, this shit is insane to me. This is via Jeffler. Uh, Game seven, third period, trailing for all 20 minutes. Austin Matthews, who had five goals in the first six games, Plays 6 minutes and 16 seconds, 5.01 at even strength. Zach Hyman, playing on a torn ACL as we found out, 7 minutes, 13 seconds, all at even strength. What was Babcock doing? So I know Charlie's going to tell me that this doesn't actually matter and it wouldn't have moved the needle, but if you, and I know we're going to talk about this series in a second here, but if you look at what Washington was doing in Game 7, um... They were double-shifting Ovechkin. Why would you double-shift Ovechkin? Because he's incredibly good at scoring goals, and you needed to score them in order to save your season. And I guess in the scheme of things, it's not a big deal that like Patrick Marlowe played one more minute than Austin Matthews, but Austin Matthews probably should have played 10 more minutes. But like, it's what are you saving him for? Like Whether it's a big deal or not in the grand scheme of things, it's wrong. He did the wrong thing. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's there's a couple of things I want to point out here. Number Uh-oh. one, Patrick Patrick Marlowe did not get one more minute than Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews got four more minutes than Patrick Marlowe. Number two, to in the bring, third period, in the game. Okay. Number two. You bring up Ovechkin getting double shifted, and that's fair. At the same time, if you watch that overtime, Ovechkin and every single other player on the Capitals team looked gassed, and Carolina took it to them. Maybe it was because they got overworked in the first two periods of the game. I'm not saying that 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 Toronto and Babcock shouldn't have played their guys a little bit more. They probably should have. I just don't think it was like the reason why they lost and I guess I feel like part of the reason why this annoys me is because I have to hear about it 82 games during the flyer season like there was there's a classic Mike Schmidt quote where he said the you know it's the uh you know the the the, in Philadelphia it's the thrill of victory and then it's the horror of reading it about reading about it in the paper the next day and I feel like for Flyers fans it's the thrill of victory and then the horror of 20 minutes after the game's over going through the time on ice charts and finding something to be mad at and I just like I just what don't victory I just don't think it's that big of a deal like I think it's a much bigger deal that Frederick Anderson gave up two goals he shouldn't have given up and that was what put them on their heels in addition I mean granted it was slightly different situations because the, the Maple Leafs were trailing and the, and the Bruins were winning but everybody made a huge deal about like oh well um Austin Matthews only got 18 minutes, 48 seconds. Well, Patrice Bergeron only got 17 minutes, 13 seconds. And David Pasternak only got 18 minutes, 19 seconds. And that's coming from the other side of the, of the aisle, the side of the team that won. Brad Marchand got 18 minutes, 28 seconds. Now, great. I know, but they were winning. They were winning, but, like, you're still trying to win. And what happened? The Bruins' fourth liners scored goals and played well. And the Toronto's fourth liners didn't score goals. But I just I, – I think what was more the reason why they lost is because their goalie didn't play that well and their players in the ice time they got didn't play well enough. Yeah, I- and, and that's really all that it is. I mean, this is – these are teams who are very evenly matched. Um, sure, Babcock may have been outcoached, but that doesn't erase the fact that um, – Frederick Anderson gave up four goals and the Leafs just couldn't score. That doesn't, that doesn't erase the fact. So it it was a a comedy of errors that just didn't work out in the Leafs favor. I like, I I realize all the things that both like, yes, it isn't on Babcock that Frederick Anderson uh, wasn't the Freddie Anderson from the first two months of the season. Like I get that. I just, with Kadri suspended, I don't know how you put the game in the hands of anyone but Matthews and Tavares. Like, yeah, you just run them out there. That's my thing. Like, it's it's not so much, like, if this was a regular season game, no one would care about any of this. But the fact of the matter is, your whole season... Well, in season, Toronto, they'd be going crazy about it if this happened in October. Maybe. But... but your whole season's on the line. So maybe, like, having measured shifts and rolling four lines in the third period when you're trailing in a game seven is not the way to do it like I, I just feel like and for me it didn't seem like the best strategy to do everything that you could to win that hockey game yeah maybe I mean then also maybe like maybe somebody like Matthews honestly intrigues me because like I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not saying the guy isn't like in shape and whatnot but they don't play him like a ton and I almost wonder if it's possibly because Babcock and the coaching staff think that if they overwork him, he wears down. Like, there's other things at play here that I, as I, I just I, – I, I find it hard to get too angry about time on ice, and I know Twitter gets really angry about time on ice, so I end up pushing back a lot, and I just feel like that's probably what happened here. 
in that, uh, to that regard, I hadn't thought about it, but Austin Matthews does have the injury history, so maybe there is something to that, Charlie. Just quickly with Boston for one second, and we'll move on. Are they, of all the teams left, are they, do you think they're considered, like, the favorite? I think I saw somewhere recently that St. Louis was considered the favorite, but I don't think Boston had advanced at that point. Yeah, I think Boston's probably the best team on paper. St. Louis is closer than a lot of people think, and I also think the Sharks are very good if, like, Martin Jones isn't awful. Um, But, like, in terms of skaters, the Sharks are right there with with the the Bruins. It's just a matter of, uh, of Jones if he can play okay. But yeah, I think the I think the Bruins are like the highest seeded the highest seeded team left. So even just going by the bracket, they're probably the favorites. So Canes and Caps, one of these wild card upsets. The Canes win in uh, two overtimes in freaking Game Seven. <laughs> um, my boy Peter Morozik, you know, he did his thing, I guess. I like the Caps just because I like the way they play, watching them against the Flyers a couple of times late in the season. Like, they pressure all over the ice, and all they do is attack. Uh, I I really just like watching them play. I think it's good for hockey if they go on a run because I want more teams to play the way they do. What did we see in this series? I don't know. I think, and I know I'm going to get shit on for this, but it really feels like the Canes are just – a mushed up ball of intangibles and everything is working in their favor right now. Um, I don't know. I, I really like watching that. That series was a lot of fun for me. I think for me, it was just, that was probably the least fun series because I wasn't like, it was the only series where I didn't have a rooting interest. I don't really like either of those teams. So it was just sort of like, Oh, this is an overtime. Great. Wonderful. I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to see the Caps. I don't want to see the Caps win another Stanley Cup, but I don't want to see the Canes do good while the Flyers are still bad. Like, in all honesty, like that's really what it boils down to. Is like it infuriates me that the Hurricanes are winning and the Flyers still suck. And it's it's completely irrational, but it's the truth. Like I'm just, it makes me sick that the Flyers are sitting at home because they're bad and the Hurricanes are having all this fun. It's sheer. You're jealousy. allowed. You're allowed to be irrational sometimes, Charlie. It's okay. <laughs> Charlie, if you're gonna be irrational, what do like? What, then what do I do? You know, <laughs> if you're gonna be irrational, what kind of nonsense do I have to come up with? You know what you don't normally do. Well, it's like it's like uh, from the other guys when they do bad cop, bad cop. You just have to go. <laughs> I love that you love that movie. It's a great uh, movie. So what? I want to get your opinion on something, Charlie, because like I said, you're the logical one. Maybe not when it comes to this series, uh, Mister Game Seven. I mean, at a certain point, there's something to it, right? He gets the assist on the winning goal. He's just a really good player. Like, that's always been what I've screened about with Justin Williams is that it's not that he – and he – for to to, to make this point, he rolls his eyes whenever he hears it from a member of the media. But, like, he's just a really good player, and he's been a really good player for over a decade. And it really shouldn't come as a major shock when he produces in Game 7s because he's a really good player who's still really good even in old age. I'm just there's plenty of really good players out there. It's just that he seems to always come through in these games. Like there's a lot of really good players who don't have the most points ever in game 7 history. He's clutch. He's just like that's what it is. Like he is really really good but also clutch. If he was so clutch, he would make sure his teams didn't have to have a game 7. Listen. Win it in game 6. 
He likes the dramatics. <laughs> and that's what's so crazy about it is that he goes to these Game 7 pressure-packed situations and seems to come through regularly. I think he's lost one of them, maybe? Uh, I don't know. The ca- he was on the Caps for a while. They had to have lost at least one with him, right? I think he did. I, because I've seen Penguins fans who, for some reason, still hate Justin Williams going, Oh, Mr. Game 7 didn't help you when you were on the Caps, huh? <laughs> this I was, uh, and maybe this was a mistake of my own, but I was watching ESPN before this, uh, before we started recording this show, and they're talking about uh, the Caps going down in the first round, an early elimination again for the Washington Capitals, and obviously this is, uh, you know, they did win the Cup last year, so it's irrelevant, but if they don't win the Cup last year, man, this is an all-time disappointing group. Oh, God, for sure. I'm so thrilled that that this team won the cup last year and then fired their coach and then lost in the first round. Well, they didn't (laughs) fire him. They just didn't re-sign him. They fired their coach. They they might as well have. And I, it's just satisfying to me. I I, I forgot about that. I agree. Guys, before we move on from this, should I... Should I let Peter Morozik go? Should I stop hating him? No. So, I, I I put this on Twitter today. I don't understand. Like, he was bad here. Yes. Can't deny it. But I, it was for such a brief period of time and at such a <laughs> weird spot in Flyers history, I really can't understand why people are still so angry at Peter Morozik. It's really weird to me. I don't know what anyone else's reason because all the things you said are true. My reason is personal. It's because it's one of my worst all-time takes. <laughs> I mean, fair. I mean, this goes back to what I just said. I'm angry that the Hurricanes are good and the Flyers are bad. And the fact that they've gotten good on the backs of a goalie who was not just bad but utterly horrible with the Flyers just adds to my anger. Like, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of... Like, I'm trying to think of everything as from whether it be signing Briz and letting Bob go or, you know, Peter Morozik or Michael Layton in game six, whatever it is, I'm trying to be like, it all led us to Carter Hart and Carter Hart is the light and he is the way. But it's really hard not to hold a grudge against Peter Morozik. If Peter Morozik was <sighs> like this, playing like this last year, the Flyers would have gotten past the first round. Yeah, probably. Maybe. They probably wouldn't have been a wild card yeah I guess if he it. was decent if if he was average that nice morozic heart tandem we wouldn't be banking on cam talbot or brian elliott's bum body i mean the team playing in front of him is probably playing better hockey than the flyers were when he yeah was they are oh, yeah. they yeah, are he's a much also better learned team. how to turn in both directions he has he so does sure seem to have picked that, that up yet. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that yet. Uh, Penn's Isles, did we talk? Was this over last week when we were doing this? Uh, Laner was awesome, uh, as he was all year. An incredible story continues. And the Pens just, my God, who was that team I just watched? This was the highlight of the first round by far. <laughs> Seriously, it was an absolute <laughs> delight. <laughs> the series that you wanted to... Fuck in the butt. That's right. I believe those those were your words. <laughs> they what? Those were exactly my words. I forgot about that. Um, ended up being really good. <laughs> it Not was good hockey, but good for our souls. I think some of the games were kind of exciting. I don't like. It's just like Charlie had no interest in uh in in Caps Canes. This was just my like I don't care. 
But then it became interesting as it went on because that awesome uh, that awesome Long Island crowd was really good uh, for their games there. And once you start to smell blood with the Penguins, even as someone as a Flyers fan who can't say anything because my team just sucks, like, it is good when they when they lose, even if it's you know sure they made the playoffs, but they didn't win more playoff games than the Flyers. Yeah, and plus now it's led to all kinds of like hilarious stuff like Penn's fans calling for Malkin to be traded and talking about blowing up the team and firing their very good coach. It's just fun to see them in disarray. I mean, honestly, they probably should blow it up and move on, but they're not going to because that's not what you do with historically great groups of guys. But yeah, I, what's the point? I I don't, I don't think they should blow it up and move on. I'd love it if they did because that would mean that they would no longer be a threat in the division. But I, you it's not like Crosby and Malkin are not, are, are not still amazing players. Like Crosby was, you could, you could actually make a case that Crosby was the, the best player in the league this year. Like accounting for everything, not just points, you could make a case he was better than Kucherov. Like I still voted Kucherov MVP, but like you could make a real case that Crosby was better. He's still awesome, and Malkin's still a point per game player. Like these are still guys that can win you a cup. Like they had a bad series. I loved it because there's nothing better than watching the Penguins have a bad series and then all the the, the great takes that ensue. But like they're still really good. They're still really good. I don't know if they're good enough. If Matt Murray becomes the Matt Murray we saw again, maybe. I don't know if they're good enough to actually contend, but they'll be in that weird middle where it's like, all right, they have these two great players who get them 99 points every year, but then uh, where do they actually go? Like, I just see it. They'd still be in the mix if they didn't unbelievably stupidly build a bad defense behind them. Well, there's that, too. I mean, they, they have they have Latang and Dumoulin, and then they got a bunch of bad players. Like, this is what happens. We saw it for five years in Philadelphia with Ooh, the boy, guys behind Drew and Voracek. Let's move out west now. My God, those, uh, those Predators, another one of the division champs that went down, go down to the wild card stars, 4-2, to two, uh, six games there. My, gee, how, like, these upsets are nuts. They ran into a hot goalie. Ben Bishop was literally on fire. Yeah. And the the Preds have just not been great this season. They've been good. Good, not great. And they just ran into they ran into the hot goalie. I mean, you can't you can't go 0 for 15 on power plays and also win a, that. You can't do that. That's not gonna work. Yeah, and me. their power play their power play was in he was an issue all or it was an issue all year. Uh, Wayne Simmons at the end of the day gave them basically nothing when they go out and trade for him. Uh, just a crazy disappointment and so much of a disappointment that last night on BSH Radio, we talked about how, geez, is P.K. Subban available? Like, uh, there's a lot going on down there right now. He yeah, that, that was that was the rumor. And the, the people I've talked to that are kind of on the scene there, you know, they they reported, it was reported today that the coaches are all coming back. So... Laviolette's staying, the assistants are staying, which was a big shock to me because of how bad the power play was all year in the playoffs. But apparently they uh, apparently midseason they shook up the, the coaching staff. Like they they took the guy who was the power play coach and then turned him into the PK coach and then turned the PK coach into the power play coach because they were trying to figure out anything to fix the power play. And that didn't work. So it's not like they ignored this. It's not like they basically pulled a flyers and were just like, yeah, Ian LaPerriere, you're good at your job. Keep on doing it. 
Go ahead. So they <laughs> did, did they try Charlie, something. Did they, Charlie, did they take their longtime offensive line coach and make him the defensive coordinator? Oh God, that happened. But so, but my point is, is that if they're Juan not Castillo, <laughs> there you go, Steph. Juan. Uh, if uh, if they're not going to make any changes to the coaching staff, like one presumes they're going to make some changes to the roster, right? So what would, you would those, think? You know, like, what would those changes be? I don't know. I mean, PK Subban is. You know, he's a great player, and if he's actually on the market, I want the Flyers to be heavily involved in that conversation. But the fact of the matter is that they, you know, he's the highest-paid guy, and they have Dante Fabro, who they like, and they think can move in the top four. And if they, if they have a plan to go out and either trade for or sign a big-name offensive weapon— then maybe you have to clear space, you clear, you know, uh, you clear salary by trading Subban for futures or a young player who's on a cheap deal. Because the one thing that I do think this series showed, me at least, like a lot of it was goaltending, I totally agree, but you pointed out in the outline that they were they really got torched by that top line. And the one the, the, the gamble that that Nashville has made for years, and I really think I think if they stick to it long enough, I think it'll pay off, but it hasn't yet, and I could see them changing course a little bit. The gamble they've made is that their depth is better than your stars. In that like yeah. like we like we don't have any superstars up front, but we can just roll four lines at you and wear you down over the course of a season and over the course of a series. They, yeah, they have some stars on the back end, but the fact of the matter is, is that defensemen get the puck to forwards. Forwards are the guys who score the majority of the goals, and they've never had that bona fide superstar. Like, I love Victor Robertson. I love Philip Forsberg. They're not top 10 forwards in the NHL, and you know, I wonder if Nashville might this offseason do whatever they can to try to get one of those flashy you know, impact forwards who can change a game. Because I, I, that's that's the only thing they they lack. They have everything else. That's the only thing they lack. And if you're going to trade P.K. Subban, the only way I can justify trading P.K. Subban is if in some way you're getting that flashy star forward. So you're saying Subban for Voracek, one for one. Oh, that is delicious. That's I would do that trade every day. I don't I don't <laughs> think that solves the problem. Like, I don't think Voracek is any – I love Voracek. I don't think Voracek is any better than Philip Forsberg. Charlie, I just I just listened to you say um, defensemen get the puck to forwards and forwards score the goals. And I just I'm picturing Dave Haxtell uh, getting in from water skiing or wakeboarding, wakeboarding. and sitting down <laughs> in his cottage and throwing on this show and going, oh, shit. I think I just came up with something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you do. <laughs> Uh, did anyone hear the Jim Montgomery line talking about injuries coming out of the uh, coming out of the series? And he says Radulov's back is is sore from carrying the team. <laughs> no, I didn't really? hear that, but that's hilarious. That's I awesome. freaking love Jim Montgomery. <laughs> All right, um, Blues over Jets in six. This was this one was kind of the predictable one, like Steph said. Yes, the Jets are the two seed and the Blues are the three seed, but Blues came in hot. Jets didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'm and ready it, for a Braden Shen cup. And uh, I guess Craig Berube is actually good, which is yeah, wild. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused as to why they haven't extended him yet yeah. or or taken away the interim tag. It, it's very strange to me. Because they're like, this can't be real. They're watching <laughs> it because the GM, the GM and the president and whoever makes this decision probably go, we talk to this guy every day. We have no idea how he's doing this. 
That sounds right. I'm sure Craig Berube is a very nice man. I, I, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, Craig Berube, good I for know. you, bro. You know what? Looking at the team you had here, you probably are a goddamn Jack Adams winner. The, probably. You, you know, I will say that, like, I think you're selling the Blues roster a bit short. I think it's a good roster. Oh, I think it it's is. good as well. Yeah, like, their, their only real flaw, dramatic flaw, was goaltending, and Bennington has somehow turned into, like, you're worried that at some point Bennington's going to turn back into a pumpkin, and it might happen. But as long as he's not, I think this is the second-best team left in the playoffs. All right. They All made right. some really impressive upgrades this summer. Um, you know, if if Bennington does come back down to earth, you hope that Jake Allen has had enough time off that he can – be decent. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll probably... be interesting. Who do they who do they play next? They get Dallas. Yeah, they're getting yeah. Oh right. Oh, that'll be interesting. I gotta talk about my boys next. I gotta talk about my boys in Colorado. The wild card two takes down the top seed out west, the Avs over Flames in five. I told you. I told you they could pull it off. The thing that pisses me off more than anything about this series is that all season long, Mike Smith was an actual, literal pile of poop on fire. Like, meme-worthy terribleness. And somehow he pulled it together to be pretty respectable in the playoffs, and still the Flames blew it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, you know, a lot of the comments you were saying about, you know, man, the Lightning just played like garbage— like, I don't think those are necessarily backed up by the stats. I think the Lightning played not as well as they could have played, but they played okay. And I don't just... think the Lightning played like garbage. Yeah. I just think they got outplayed they probably by got Columbus. Outplayed. I think Columbus I don't devised think, I don't, a better I don't strategy. Think it was, I don't think it was dramatic. I think Calgary got outplayed dramatically, and I have no idea why. No, the, uh, the, the hockey man takes of they weren't playing playoff hockey and the Avs were. It's like, ah, uh, I hate that assessment, but also... You Maybe. might that <laughs> might be right on this one. <laughs> yeah, like, that top I, line for Colorado is is a, a killer. Those three together are absolutely freaking insane. Uh, I I, yeah, I, I just love. How good I, they are. I just Don't love that. Don't ask me who's further down in their lineup, but that top three. Yeah, I love that top line. I honestly, what pissed me off about this series, like Charlie pointed out last week, I was only rooting for the Avs so I could go to a game while I was out there. Um, the, the Bastards, I just needed them to win two so they could push it to six so I could go and watch. <laughs> they win it in fucking five. I was like, what Rude. are you doing? What are you doing? I had tickets all lined up. I was pissed. Well, you got to see 311 instead. Uh, yeah, well, 311 was Friday night. The game six would have been uh, Sunday night. I had it all planned out. Everything was planned. The Phils had a day game on Sunday. It was perfect, and they ruined it. I'm very Lewis sorry for your makes personal me uncomfortable. loss. <laughs> what was? I can't hear what everyone was saying at once. I said you having plans makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, sometimes I make plans. Sometimes plans are made for me. <laughs> Sharks over Vegas in seven. We talked about yes. the controversial call uh, on uh, on BSH Radio last night. Those referees now will not be officiating in the second round. That's awesome. No, that's interesting. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah like i don't have as much of a problem with the call maybe it's because i'm biased as a sharks guy here um but I, it isn't a good call no, it's, it's not a five minute major i guess i mean i'm 
definitely a Glitters fan. There's no question about that. But even if it is a bad call, which, yes, it is, but it's part of the game. Bad calls happen. You cannot give up four goals in two minutes. You sure can't. You can't do that. As a team, as a goalie, as, as a coach, why didn't you call a timeout? Like, you cannot do that. That's not how you win games. Yeah, it's pretty wild to me that they didn't call a timeout after they got two. Like, how do you not try to slow that down? It was just, like, bad all around. They just played that terribly. And it's like, I get that you're rattled by it, but you're – come on, dude. Like – this is your only job. Yeah, you, you got to save that timeout for the potential challenge later on. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Hi, Dave Haxtell. <laughs> I just, it'll never stop with me. I'll never, I'll never stop with so Dave, I just, don't think. Just out of curiosity, it's a little bit off subject, but so this call has led to a lot of people um, saying that they should have a review available for major penalties. Do you think that would be a good idea? I do not. I, I do. <sighs> Looking at this, and maybe not, like, I guess with a major penalty, it wouldn't change the high sticks, but looking at how Robert Haig serves eight minutes worth of penalties for high sticks that actual, like, the dude's teammate hit him in the face twice, and Haig has to go to the box for it a couple times, like, so, uh, like should, you know, you, should you get a challenge? Should they just extend challenges to penalties as well? I don't. I don't know the exact format of how they should do it, but there needs to be something other than referees guessing. I mean, theoretically, I agree with all of that, but the given how badly the NHL has fucked up every single thing that they review now, it just I just think that they would screw this one up too and it would just be make the game worse. I think they I think they might screw things up, but I think they would get it right more often than they screw it up. I I just I just want there to be like an eye in the sky of common sense for calls like the Hague calls and for calls like this, where somebody's just like, hey, guys, that was dumb. Change it. And I think spe- that everything should be reviewable. It's going to make the games longer and insufferable. But So what Charlie's talking about makes more sense to me, sort of like a third referee working the game, but he's working in the game from the press box so he can see everything and – has the benefit of like a really wide view rather than being super close and missing things. And that makes more sense to me than reviewing majors. Yeah. Okay. But then who, who gets the the default? Is it still the call on the ice is what stands if they can't. So I, I feel like, you know, if, if we're just talking about a third referee that he would just confer via the headsets, the same way that they would confer on the ice. If there was a question about the call. Yeah, know. like, it, it shouldn't be, like, when the refs don't see it, like, those high sticks I referenced, like, this call specifically, if the refs don't see it, they should be able to just click a little buzzer in their pocket and say, hey, buddy, you want to take a look? Because we didn't, none of us got a look. Like, there was a, uh, I think it was in last night's game, a clear delay a game penalty that just got let go because the refs weren't paying attention closely enough, and a guy clears it all the way across the ice from inside his own blue line, and they just let that go. Uh, there was an obvious high stick in the Sharks-Vegas game that uh, was allowed to stand, even though they reviewed it, and it was just like, oh, yeah, it's close, so we're just going to let the goal play. Uh, I, I just think there needs to be some sort of better way to go about things than currently. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. 
So let's get to these round two matchups to close out. First, we have Boston-Columbus game one tonight. What are we liking in this series? Do you think Boston are the heavy favorites? They got to be the heavy favorites. I really hope that they lose because I hate them with my whole heart, but I'm assuming they're the favorite. And But, but that said, if Tortorella could figure out a way to shut down Tampa, perhaps he can figure out a way to shut down that top line in Boston. Yeah, that's where I'm rolling to. Boston is probably the favorite, but I'm I'm picking Columbus. I'm picking Columbus, and I really hope that they make this league fun again. I'm I'm rooting heavy for Columbus, and I don't think I think Boston is the favorite, and they should be the favorite, but I don't think they should be a dramatic favorite. Okay, okay. Like, I I think it's like fifty six forty four Boston. But Columbus, I think, as I've said, Columbus is a very good team. And now that Sergei Bobrovsky has gotten his playoff monkey off of his back, like, they probably have the better goal in this series. And I don't think, like, Boston's top line is amazing. But one thing that one thing that I do think is interesting is that there's been a lot of rumors going around that Patrice Bergeron is playing injured. And if he's only at like eighty percent, because he wasn't that good in, in the in the Toronto series, if he's only at like eighty percent, that's a big deal. That's a good point. I didn't know that. The other Eastern series, we've seen it a million times. Caps, pens. Oh wait. Oh, <laughs> no, Canes Isles. That's right. <laughs> Omg. What a wow. time to be alive. Uh, we are here for this. Uh, I. This is so ridiculous. These two teams, like. Coming into this year, I could not have cared less about either of these teams. And now suddenly I find myself enjoying both of them. So It's wild. So I think, I might be wrong here, but the Islanders have to play these games in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, they are no long, they're no longer at Nassau. They got the first round at Nassau, and now they have to go play in front of the white SUV. Do you think that'll, I'm wondering if that'll make a difference. I don't know. Because it's not, I don't know. That atmosphere was so awesome at the Nassau Coliseum. I don't think it will carry over as hard. I don't think it'll be as, like, fun and crazy there as it would be in their actual home arena. Maybe they will start putting people in the SUV. That's the ticket. Hey, uh, <laughs> That'd be fun. So I go back and forth on which of these teams I'm rooting for. Because, like, <laughs> I, I, I do like, I, I like Carolina more than the Islanders. So if I'm just purely going by which yeah. team I like more, I'm rooting for Carolina. But the reason why I think I'm going to root for the Islanders is this. If Carolina wins and goes on, like, a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, like, I still think they're going to be smart. Whereas I think if the Islanders go to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to go full Ottawa and get extremely dumb and think they're better than they are and make a bunch of crazy win-now moves this offseason that in the end will make them worse over the long term. Like, they, they, they will totally believe that, like, we're one piece away. Let's go out and, like, spend a crap load of money and make big trades and gut our farm system. And I am all here for that. So that's I'm rooting for the Islanders purely because I trust that Eric Tolsky will make sure that Carolina doesn't overreact to a good playoff run, and I know Lou Lamorello will overreact to a good playoff run, and that's what I want to see happen. I Damn, appreciate I, that, I can, but yeah, I can't root for Lou to have any success. It's hard to it's hard to argue with your logic there, Charlie. It really <laughs> is. Um, I'm I, rooting for Carolina. I like that. That's the thing. I just like Carolina better because I think they're. 
I just really enjoy watching them play. I don't know what else it is. Uh, let's go out west now. Blue Stars, game one tonight. Ah, this is a tough one for me. Uh, Braden Shen back on the wing under, you know, Coach Craig Berube. We got the uh, the guy who scored three playoff hat tricks for the Phantoms behind the bench, Jim Montgomery <laughs> for the Stars. I'm having a tough time with this one. I was, yeah, I think I, I have this weird thing with the Dallas Stars where I can look and see what they've done well in an objective way, but for some reason I can't muster any respect for them as a hockey team. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, I just, I don't know. I like it. You know what I realized watching the um, the Stars series, uh, the Stars Pred series? Because, like, I was, I, have, I was having, like, an existential crisis here trying to figure out why I don't like the Stars. And because because I used to kind of like them, like when they were under when they were under Hitchcock, and I was getting into hockey. Oh, I those teams Mike, were great. I liked Mike Madonna. I liked Darian Hazard. I liked those teams. And you know what? You know what the conclusion I came to as to why I don't like the Stars? Because I hate their jerseys, and that's why. <laughs> oh. And it's that I used to like their jerseys, and now that they have this the Christmas tree green, I think it's awful, and I just am predisposed to hate them. I and really, that's, and, that, and that's why. I really enjoy Irrational Charlie. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. I don't I mean, That's it, rational. It took, it Hating their a, jersey makes sense. It took me a while to realize because I was like, why do I dislike this team so much? Like, Sagan's cool, and, like, you know, I, I, I like some of the I – like, I really like Klingberg. Why, when I watch the Stars, do I always want them to lose? And I realized I just can't stand their jerseys. Yeah, I, I like, don't I hate like that, that shade of green. No, me but neither. I, I, li- I like it. I do really hate it on the Stars, and their old jerseys were awesome. I love their old jerseys. If I'm the Stars and I'm going to wear anything but those Madonna-era jerseys, like, I'm going... Listen, you're called the Dallas Stars. Clearly, there's a little bit of an homage there to the Dallas Cowboys. Do what the Mavericks did and work out, wear Cowboys colors. Just do it. Do the Pittsburgh thing and have everyone in town wear the same colors. Eh. I don't like the Dallas Stars because I said for so many years that they were going to make the playoffs and they were going to make noise in the playoffs, and they never did. So <laughs> fuck you guys. It's too late for me. Nobody holds Fair. a grudge like Steph Driver. Uh, <laughs> Darian, Hatcher, Darian Hatcher was like, I was excited about the Flyers getting him as I was Forsberg. I freaking loved Hatcher. Uh, that didn't exactly work out. So, so finally... I, I do really like the Blues, though. Like, Tarasenko is my favorite yeah. non-flyer, so it's very, very easy for me to jump on the Blues bandwagon. Even though you hate watching Braden Shen play hockey. I don't Listen, I, Charlie I, bought a Braden Shen jersey just because he doesn't physically own it. He still bought it. I did spend that <laughs> money. I don't, I don't particularly like watching Braden Shen play hockey, but I like a lot of the other players in the Blues and watching them play hockey. Last but certainly not least, the series that's ripping me apart at my... It's, it's tearing me. Is I'm like a house divided in my own brain. Sharks, Avs. Sharks! I just, I just, man, I love both of these teams so much. It's not hard, William. One of the teams has Jumbo Joe. One of them does not. I know, not. I know. I, that's, I'm leaning Sharks because I think the Avs have more time in front of them and they'll field better teams that actually have a chance to win the cup. While the Sharks, if Martin Jones just like gets his head out of it, gets his head out of his ass, they're one of the two best teams left. Oh, for sure. I think that's a big if. They really yeah, just no, need that's him a huge to. If. Yeah, they really just need him to, you know, not be a giant fuck up. I yep, think. Yep. Yep. As yep. long as he can keep it together, 
in like an, a very average way, I think they have a very good chance of winning. I'm on the Sharks bandwagon. Yay! And it pains me to say that because they're the, the Glitter's rival. That's turned into like now. That's a good rivalry. That's gonna be a really good rivalry. But that's a good rivalry. Yeah, you got the coaches hate each other now. Yeah, great. They're calling each other clowns and shit. Like it's It's awesome. So good. It's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really that series was fun. The 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 sharks are my. I I would say the the sharks and the blues one two right now are the teams I'm rooting for in this. Looking at looking at the eight teams left. What is the best possible Stanley Cup final? Sharks, Canes. <laughs> In terms of drama, truthfully, it's probably Sharks, Bruins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that because, would be a good series. Because of Thornton and because Boston's still a big market and because, like, like I like the Sharks so much and I hate the Bruins so much, I would get so invested in that because not only do I have a clear team to root for, I have a clear team to root against. I didn't even think of the Thornton angle. That puts a whole different, oh, man, now I kind of wanted a little more, even though I am so seriously rooting against Boston. That would be fun just from a narrative perspective. Um, my God, imagine being Joe Thornton, having to answer all those questions for two weeks. Man, oh, that God. sounds like fun. <laughs> hey, this team you left 15 years ago, what do you think about them? Uh all right, guys, I think that's it. I think that's all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Give us those five-star ratings. Give us those thumbs up. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us we're awesome at BSH underscore radio. That's it for me. Uh, that's it for Charlie and Kelly and Steph. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>